Yeah, Jesus, we come before you this morning just with grateful hearts, with thanksgiving in our hearts, Jesus, for who you are, God, for all you've done, for your goodness, God. Yeah, Jesus, we just just come before you this morning. Yeah, just in humility, just in, um, yeah, we just humble ourselves before you this morning, Jesus. We declare you a king. We declare you are good and we just declare that you reign. And yeah, we just, we bow down before you, God. We bow down in, um, in holy reverence of you, Jesus. Yeah, we just declare that you are Lord and we are not Lord. We declare you are king. We are not king. We declare that you are wisdom. We declare you are truth. We declare that you are good. Yeah, we just submit to you, Jesus. We come to adore you this morning, Lord Jesus. Yeah, we come to bring our offering to you. We come to bring our gift to you, Lord Jesus. Yeah, we just lay aside all distractions this morning. We lay aside all distracting thoughts. We lay aside all the cares of the world, all the burdens of our heart, and we come up. We come up and we lift up our gaze to you, Lord Jesus. We lift up our eyes to you. Lift up our eyes to you who dwells in the heavens. We look to you, Lord Jesus. We look to the one who is worthy. Thank you, Jesus. We exalt you. You are high and lifted up. You are high and lifted up. You are high and lifted up, Lord Jesus. You reign. You reign. You reign. You've always reigned. Nothing has changed. You reign and you forever will reign. Oh, we adjust our hearts this morning. We adjust our minds. We adjust our gaze this morning upon the one who is unchanging, upon the one who is constant, upon the one who is almighty, the one who is king, the one who is God, the one who made us. We put our eyes upon our Creator this morning. Thank you, Jesus. You are Lord. Thank you, God. Yeah, we bring our hearts, we bring all we are this morning to you, Jesus. And we declare that you are our King and there is no other, there is no other but you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, God.
to pay the sinner's ransom your dignity was poured out for the ones you love and how can we not sing out for all you've done to save us for you deserve the highest praise with our hearts wide open and our heads held high we see your beauty and our voices cry king of kings and lord of lords you're the one who came before and we worship you we worship you king of kings and lord of lords you're the one our hearts adore we worship you we worship you
earth in total victory you overcame the flesh you overcame the enemy you walked victoriously into the crowds into the opposition into the jeering you came humbly but you came with power you came with authority and you displayed it over all mankind 
You went all the way to the cross and you hung like a criminal. You hung like a guilty one, but you, you had no guilt of your own. So we want to thank you this morning, Jesus, for coming. We want to thank you for going all the way to the cross. You didn't hold anything back, but you came as a lamb without blemish. As you hung on that cross, every drop of blood purifies us, purifies us and cleanses us. We thank you for the church. We thank you for your body that you purchased. Lord, we, we, we stand here amazed, amazed at what you have accomplished for us. Lord, when others said it couldn't be done, Lord, we thank you for changed lives this morning. Lord, we thank you for changed lives right throughout the world. We thank you for lives that have responded to the power of your blood. Lord, we thank you for healing. We thank you for deliverance. We thank you for freedom. Thank you, Jesus. You came to set the captives free, Lord, and we stand here in freedom today. We stand here a people that have been blessed by your sacrifice. Lord, eternally blessed. Lord, Lord, I thank you for the blessings of God. Never grow tired, never grow faint. Lord, I thank you, Lord, that we are eternally blessed. Lord, everything that you've done for us, everything that you've given to us does not come just from men. But I thank you, Lord, that you work through men on the earth to bless your people. And because you bless us, nobody can take it from us. Lord, because you give us health, nobody, nobody can take that from us. Because you give us our daily bread, no thief can steal that, Lord. Father, I thank you, Lord. Lord, I thank you for the reality of your presence with us today. You are not a God who is absent from your children. Lord, your scriptures say that we are the apple of your eye. Lord, that you are ever concerned about us. Lord, that you are mindful of us continually. Lord, that you are gazing upon us. Lord, we receive your blessing today. Lord, we are not so proud that we would resist you. Jesus, we thank you that you are the ever-present help in time of trouble. You are the help that this world needs today. You are our help. You are our helper. Where man has failed, you have not failed. You are faithful. We thank you for your faithfulness. We rejoice in your faithfulness. We celebrate your faithfulness. Mm. Thank you for every promise that you've spoken over our lives. You are not slack concerning your promise to your people.
we submit to you, our great God. Lord, we thank you for your timing in the earth today. We thank you for your program. Jesus, we submit to the speed of the increase of your kingdom, the increase of your government will know no end. I thank you, Lord. Even though community worship and church as we know it has been shut down in this season, we thank you that your government is increasing. Your kingdom is increasing. We thank you even right now, today, this day is a day of salvation throughout the earth. Thank you for hearts that are responding to you. Hearts turning away from wickedness and pride, selfishness. Lord, falling, falling at the foot of the cross. We thank you for the pride of man falling, 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 falling. Lord, I thank you for the increase, increase of your kingdom, raising up your children on the earth. Lord, I thank you for the voice of praise today throughout the earth. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. And uh, welcome uh, to to church. Welcome to this podcast. Thank you uh, for all those who donated food this week uh, for our food giveaway on, on Monday. Please be praying for that. We believe it's a good opportunity for us to bless the community and just... Give, give freely what the Lord has, with some of the blessings that God has blessed us with. So I have a word from the Lord for us today to encourage us. In these times, there's many voices in the world, and we're encouraged by the words of Jesus himself in John chapter 10, to know his voice. And to discern for his voice. And in my few years on this earth, I've never experienced such a time where there's so many distractions, so many voices in the world today. And I'm challenged personally that I need to hear the voice of the shepherd. I need to hear his voice. There's so much advice. So many people have got an opinion. I need to hear the opinion of God. I need to know what's on his heart in this time. We need to hear his voice. And you know the voice of the shepherd. Because his voice brings peace. His voice brings comfort. But the voice of the enemy brings fear and confusion. So be careful who you listen to. And test the spirit by which they are speaking before you take heed or you listen to what they say. Are you speaking in fear, in the spirit of fear, or are you speaking words of of faith. Do your words want to build me up 
encourage me in God, in my faith, or do they pull me down? Be discerning who you listen to. The voice of the shepherd will always uh, bring peace, comfort, and joy. So it's a difficult time. I personally find uh, lockdown a, a difficult time. When lockdown first happened, there was something in me that wanted to fight, to wanted to resist. I personally didn't know. It took me a while to really hear God's voice about, you know, how to act and how to proceed. Should I resist? Should I fight the restrictions, or should I? Go with the flow, and we all have to personally hear the voice of God for these things. But I, for me personally, it was a struggle. Why? Because, you know, as a Christian, we are taught from the Lord Himself not to be passive. And, you know, as Christians, we love a good fight, and we should always be ready to fight. When the time is right. In Psalm 144, David wrote this beautiful song of worship. He was a warrior. He said, Blessed be the Lord, my rock, who trains my hands for war and my fingers for battle. So there's a time for war. And God actually teaches us to be warriors. He teaches us to fight, but we need to know when to fight and when to rest. In verse 2, he says, My loving kindness and my fortress, that is God, he, he confesses, even though the same God that teaches his hands to war uh, is the same God who invites us into his loving kindness and into his fortress. So even though he teaches us to war, he encourages us to come into his strength, into his protection. My high tower, he's my high tower, my deliverer, my shield and the one whom I take refuge. In verse 34, Psalm 18, verse 34, Again, another, another song that David wrote. Again, he says, he teaches my hands to war so that my arms can bend a bow of bronze. So we have to know uh, when to fight and when to rest, when to resist or when to wait on God. So... Yeah, and in this time, in this lockdown, we really need to be led by the Lord is what to resist, what to fight, what to rest, what, when to wait, how long to wait. And um, we don't want to be fighting battles that we're not meant to be fighting. <laughs> Otherwise, we'll be swinging into the air, wasting our energy, air swings, not making contact. And burning ourselves out on a battle uh, that we don't need to fight. Psalm 18 verse 35. You have given me the shield of your salvation. Your right hand has held me up. 
Your gentleness has made me great. You enlarged my path under me so my feet did not slip. Verse 37, I have pursued my enemies and overtaken them. Neither did I turn back until they were destroyed. I have wounded them so they could not rise. They have fallen under my feet. For you have armed me with strength for battle. You have subdued under me those who rose up against me. You have given me the necks of my enemies so that I destroyed those who hated me. So clearly David was a mighty warrior. He knew how to fight, but he, he was also one who had to wait. He had to learn to wait, uh, wait to hear the sound of God moving. And one instance before he went into battle, he had to wait by the mulberry tree. And the Lord said to him, when you hear me going before you, that's when you go. Until then you wait. And he had to wait for the sound in the mulberry tree. So God came like a wind through the mulberry tree and he heard the rustling of the leaves. And he knew then the presence of God had gone before him and he stepped out in faith to win the battle. So these are the days we need to really be sensitive to hear the voice of the shepherd. We need to be sensitive to know when to wait or when to step out. The Lord wants to train us to hear his voice in the midst of many voices, many strange voices. There's, there's lots of voices. I hear them every day. Voices of fear, warning against this, warning against that. Don't do this. Don't do that. Promise me this. Promise me that. I asked somebody this week, asked me to promise them that I wouldn't partake in something. I said, no, Jesus purchased my body with his precious blood I will only make promises to him because he owns my body my body does not belong to any man my body belongs to the Lord it's not my own he purchased it with a precious price of his blood Psalm 18 verse 50 great deliverance Gives he to his king. He gives to his king. Great deliverance he gives to his king and shows mercy to his anointed, to David and his descendants forevermore. That's a good word for this season. Psalm 18, verse 50. Underline it, memorize it, highlight it. Great deliverance he gives to his king. Who is the king? It's King Jesus. Great deliverance Jesus obtained on this earth. And shows mercy to his anointed, to David and his descendants forevermore. Jesus came as a son of David and he raised up sons and daughters. We are the sons of a great king, a mighty deliverer. And the deliverance that Jesus receives is us. That's our inheritance. He comes to bring deliverance. So the message today is we are locked down, but we're not locked out. We're locked down, but we're not locked out. There's 
Some things we cannot do, but the important things we can do. That's good news. So we are in the school of Christ. When we signed up to live for Jesus, we became his students. We became his disciples, his learners. And we don't stop learning We don't stop submitting to him and learning from him. And even in lockdown, it's a time where we continue in the school of Christ. We continue to hear his voice and learn from him. So church is open. Church is open for worship. Church is open for his word. And even though the community church as we know it, is locked down, it's open. Church is open because the kingdom is always advancing. And I believe the Lord wants us to be real. Let's get into that. What I, what I mean by that, uh, we, will, we will uncover in the next... Uh, few minutes so just bear with me as we go through today I believe the Lord wants to teach us some things so what is the school of Christ for you in this season what does the Lord want to teach you through this lockdown and I mentioned last week that we may never get this time again we may never get this opportunity again and I personally have found it difficult for the first uh, fighting I was trying to resist, um, but I found that I was in the flesh and really getting nowhere, only getting more frustrated. And um, recently I've been submitting to to his leading and um, now I'm asking myself, what can I learn as a pastor during this season? What does God want to teach me? And what does he want to change in my life? And as a church, I want us to ask the Lord the same question. What can we learn as a church during this season? What does God want to teach us? Are we just to be disappointed and frustrated? Or are we to be filled with his presence as we submit to him? What can we learn in this season? What does God want to teach us? And why has this happened? We can't just keep going on and doing things the way that we used to do them. Why has God allowed this to happen? I'm not saying God caused this to happen. God is not the author of confusion. He's not the author of sickness. But there is a result of man's rebellion on the earth that brings about a curse in this world. And the world is crying out for a saviour. The world needs a saviour. The world's crying out for a healer. It's evident that sickness is ravishing mankind. Why? Because we are not as a whole, I'm speaking as a whole globally, mankind is not looking to the healer. So there's a a pain in the earth today. There's a result of rebellion in the earth today. See that as this world is, is ravished by fear, and there's a little bit of sickness around that's 
hurting lives and killing people, whatever it is, whatever you want to call it, it's real. Coronavirus is a real thing. There are people dying and there has been people dying from it. But fear is, is a, greater, a greater enemy because fear uh, opens up uh, for many uh, demonic spirits. Be careful that we're always speaking words of faith and encouragement to one another and not spreading fear. Um, mentioned last week, uh, you know, there's many cases of lockdown in the Bible uh, where restrictions are put on uh, the people of God physically. Physical restrictions are put on the people of God. But what we learn from Bible history is that it never stopped uh, the advancement of God's kingdom or never hindered uh, genuine hearts worshipping him. But always, it actually, restriction and trial, tribulation, always separates, I guess, that which is genuine from that which is not genuine. And I think there is a, there's been many visions, many of you have had dreams and visions during this season of trees shaking, of God shaking the tree, God shaking the church and allowing the church to, to go through a time of discipline where that which is not genuine can be shaken off and that which is real uh, can remain. And I pray that that would be real for us. I know after the last lockdown, some churches that have been around for, for years and congregation members that have been attending for years just stopped coming. When the church had a break for a couple of months, they went back and they just the congregation weren't there. It was like... they. What went on was just, it was a form of religion without genuine faith. So God, in this season, I believe he wants us to get real, to get genuine. Why do we gather together as a community? And when we come together as worship, to worship, uh, is there a burning desire in our hearts to meet Jesus, to meet the presence of God? And if there is, then that should carry on in your own personal life, not just when you come into a corporate gathering. Um, I personally love church. I love the family of God. I love the presence of God. I love to worship God, not just on my own, but in community. And that's why I find you know, lockdown very hard, very difficult, very challenging. I could ha personally, I could have church seven days a week. Sunday is my favorite day of the week. It always has been uh, for the last 30, 30, however many years. And so I find it difficult. I find it, you know, challenging. But it, you know, it, it, it doesn't stop me from worshiping him in secret, in private. So the children of Israel during the time... Uh, <clears throat> of their captivity in Babylon. Uh, we, we spoke about how last week, how Jeremiah came as a prophet and he spoke against the idolatry in Israel and he warned them uh, because they'd been unfaithful that Nebuchadnezzar was coming to take them away captive and to take them uh, into Babylon. And 
Uh, we know they went into captivity for around 73 years. And obviously a very difficult time it was a time of discipline for God's people. And of course the blood of Jesus uh, hadn't been shed and God was looking uh, for his people uh, to follow the principles that had been given to them through the law and through the sacrifice of animals uh, to cover their sins uh, until the time that Jesus was to come. So as we look back into the book of Jeremiah and Israel's captivity in Babylon, we have to understand uh, that the blood of Jesus hadn't been shed and it's very different for us today. So even though we're in a lockdown today and even though there are trials that come into our lives, uh, there is a form of discipline. We have to understand that God is not angry, that the wrath of God had been subdued uh, because of the blood of Jesus. The blood of Jesus satisfied uh, the wrath of God on mankind. And uh, we are in a time of mercy. We're in a time of grace. We have a window of opportunity to bring as many people into that grace and into the mercy because of the blood of Jesus. And we're at a time of grace. There is going to come a time where that grace door is shut and judgment uh, will come. But that, that is not the time. This is not the time of God's judgment on the earth. So if you think coronavirus is God's judgment, you are wrong. This is a time of mercy. This is a time of healing for the world. We just have to point people to the healer. We have to point people to the merciful one. So just winding back into this time of God's judgment on Israel because of idolatry and unfaithfulness, they wound up in Babylon. And in Psalm 137, uh, verse 3, they cried out to God and they said, For there those who carried us away captive asked of us a song. So the Babylonians carried them captive. They were brought into Babylon. And then they asked them to sing. Uh, but they responded in verse 4, How can we sing the Lord's song in a foreign land? So we see it was their religion was not real. It was an external form of godliness. There was no power in their lives. The majority of these God's people were not sing in a strange land. So their faith in God was dependent on outward circumstances. They could sing in Jerusalem, but they couldn't sing in Babylon. May that not be the state of his church. May our faith and our worship not be dependent on outward circumstances. May it not be dependent on any captivity. How can we sing a song, the Lord's song, in a foreign land? Praise God for Daniel. Daniel, he was a young boy when he was taken captive into Babylon. And we know about Daniel that he kept himself. 
He kept himself pure. He kept himself for the Lord. And even in the time of captivity, he made a habit of opening his window towards Jerusalem. And there he sat three times a day and he worshipped and he prayed and he sought the God of heaven. So we see God has his people in every generation. We know there were three, three of them, Daniel, Shadrach and Meshach, Meshach and Abednego. But Daniel, uh, we know he was a descendant of the line of David and through his lineage came the Lord Jesus Christ. So he's a beautiful type of Jesus who walked on the earth as a young man. He walked in purity and he did not delight to partake of the pleasures uh, of the, the world, the pleasures of the king's meat. speaks about meat which was offered up uh, for idolatry, idolatry, worship of false gods. So Jesus walked as a young man in the earth like Daniel in Babylon. So Daniel was able to go into Babylon, lived his whole life there. I don't believe he ever returned back uh, to Jerusalem. Uh, but he, he became an elderly man there and uh, history tells us that he was about 80 when he was thrown into the lion's den. The reason he was thrown into the lion's den was because uh, he would not bow to the king and he would not stop praying. He would not stop worshipping. But he continued to open his window towards Jerusalem and worship the Lord. So, when the sound of the music stops, uh, can you continue worshipping? Is there a song to the Lord, a song of worship uh, in your heart when you lie down and sleep at night? Uh, when, you, when you're dreaming, what, are your dreams pure? Um, are, are, you, are you thinking of the Lord when you wake up in the morning? I'm just asking you this because I want to know what is in your heart, what is in your mind. And because, you know, we can't pretend anymore. Nobody can pretend to be a Christian in lockdown. You know, it's not about the show. It's not about the fanfare. It's not about, you know, how nice your voice is. It's about the purity of your heart. Is Jesus your Lord? And if so, what is the attitude of your heart? What do you meditate on in the night seasons? Um, is worship something which is merely an outward performance, an outward sound, or is it genuine uh, worship in your heart? So Daniel chapter 6, verse 10. When Daniel knew that the writing was signed. So what was signed? The, the government had had signed an agreement that if anyone was to worship any other god other than the king Nebuchadnezzar Nebuchadnezzar uh, was like a god in the land then they would be thrown into the lion's den so knowing this because Daniel had a real genuine faith he opened his window towards Jerusalem he knelt down on his knees he was not ashamed to worship his God three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God. 
as was his custom and custom since early days. And these are days where we need to make a decision. We need to make a consecration. That's not legalism. It's not legalism to make a decision, a consecration out of love. Anything that you do out of love for Jesus, for your king, it's not legalism. It's motivated by love. Daniel was motivated by love. And he made a decision, made a custom. It's not wrong to set times of prayer. That's not legalistic. God wants to be the priority in your life. Jesus wants to be a priority in your life. It's not wrong to dedicate uh, one Sabbath day to the Lord, to seek the Lord. It's not wrong to give him time, to dedicate time to him. We turn up to work on a certain time and we make sure we're never late. Uh, But quite often we are late to church. And, you know, we... And, and if we're challenged, we feel like, well, don't pressure me. You know, God doesn't care. Fine. Jesus wants your everything. He wants to be first in your life. Uh, you need to work out uh, what that means for you. But in Acts chapter 16, when Paul and Silas were in prison... They were, uh, in verse 23, they were uh, beaten with many stripes and they were thrown into prison. And they were chained in the prison. He says they were in the inner prison and their feet were fastened in stocks. I was reading this this morning. I was saying, gee, what would happen if I was in prison for for the gospel and whipped and put uh, in in chains would I still be worshipping or would I be complaining that's a real question to ask what would you be doing in, in this situation verse 25 we see Paul and Silas at midnight <laughs> midnight they were praying and singing hymns to God at midnight, they were praying and singing hymns to God. That's challenging. That's real. That's real worship, genuine worship, where the sound of the guitar, the only musical instrument they had was the chains around their feet and around their hands as they banged them together or as they hit the bars. Were they songs or hymns that they knew or were they hymns that they wrote or as that they made up, were they spontaneously worshipping or were they learnt songs? These are questions which we can ask and one day we can ask them. Maybe we will sing with these guys together in eternity. I pray that we would. But they were after they'd been beaten, after they'd been thrown into prison, in the middle of the night, they were worshipping such genuine faith such determination to give Jesus glory. And the other prisoners were listening to them, no doubt cursing them. 
But suddenly there was a great earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken and immediately all the doors were open and everyone's chains were loosed. Glory to God. There's power in genuine worship. And this is what we each one of us need in our lives. We need to understand the power of heartfelt worship. Worship that's a sacrifice, worship that costs us something, and worship that's genuine. Is it, there is a chain-breaking anointing when we worship our King with a genuine heart. And this, each one of us, during this time of lockdown where we can't come together for church as we know it, each one of us need to know the power of genuine worship in our lives that breaks chains, a chain-breaking anointing. Each one of us need that. We need genuine worship in our lives. We need to experience it. And you don't need church to experience that. All you need is a heart given over to the Lord. So as they worshipped, the foundations of the prison. And as we worship Him, the foundation of hell in this world will be shaken and the captives will be set free. So I want to encourage the church to worship Him. Take more time in this season to worship Him. It's a lockdown. It's a reason why. There is a reason why uh, this world has been locked down because the earth is crying out for worship. Mankind is crying out for worship. And we as the church, we have the answer for the world's deliverance. We have the answer for the f freedom for the captives. And that is worshipping the King. And as we, even though church is not together, as we as a church individually, and in families, as we worship Him, I believe the foundation of hell uh, will be shaken. So we see the keeper of the prison awaking from sleep and seeing the prison doors open, supposing the prisoners had fled, drew his sword and was about to kill himself. But Paul called with a loud voice saying, Don't harm yourself, for we are all here. He called for a light, ran in, fell down, trembling before Paul and Silas. And he brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? That is genuine Christianity. <laughs> that is the Christian life right there. And this is what we want for Harvest Time Church. We want genuine worship. We want genuine Christianity. And I'm asking the Lord, what does it take to bring about genuine worship? What does it take to bring about genuine Christianity that just through worshipping God, others' chains are set free? And I believe God, as, as a church, we are. It's undeniable that the calling on our church is to be worshippers. There is a calling here on this house, on this family, to worship Him, genuine worship. And I would encourage you, each one of you, whether you are musical or not, let the sound of worship be in your heart. Let it be the sound of worship be in your car 
I'm not talking about putting on the latest CD or the latest uh, Christian hit. I'm talking about just a loud sound coming from your mouth. I'm talking about picking up an instrument, whether it be whatever it be, whatever be your instrument, your hands or your voice or your guitar or your piano or whatever you play. Let's worship him in secret. Let's worship him in the, in the secret place so that when we do come together corporately, there'll be power, power in worship, genuine power that breaks chains. So we see God is not threatened by a church being shut down and uh, Christian music today in the world has become a multi-million dollar industry. I don't know whether that's good or bad. I'll let you make that decision. Church, the world, when the world thinks about church, uh, unfortunately, the media has portrayed the church uh, as being selfish. Uh, the church is being filled or led by uh, child molesters, immoral people, showmen, uh, talented speakers uh, that live immoral lives. Unfortunately, whether that, true, whether that is true or false, that's the way the world sees the church. That needs to change. The world needs to see the church as having the answers and I'm praying and believing God that when we meet back together, uh, we would not um, be unseen, but we would be a light on a hill, a city that cannot be hid, that the world comes to for answers, for help. And as we worship him, I believe lives are going to be changed. So what is, what is it? Uh, in this time of lockdown, what is genuine worship? What is genuine religion? What is real faith? In James chapter 1, verse 27, Pure and undefiled religion before God and the Father is this, to visit, widow, uh, visit orphans and widows in their trouble. Let pure religion rise up in this season, even though church can't meet together. Let there be pure religion in each of our hearts, in each of our lives. Let us have that desire to meet the Father's heart. Why visit orphans and widows? That's what's on the heart of God. Widows and orphans have no means to help themselves. And we as a body of Christ are filled with God's love and we have an opportunity to bless others in our community. And I just encourage you, get before God and ask Him, how can you serve His heart? How can you be a blessing? What, who can you be a blessing to in your community? How can you practice pure, undefiled religion? Nobody can stop that. No lockdown can stop that. But there's, a, there's actually a greater need at the moment to, for the church to rise up with pure, undefiled religion. The second part of that verse is so important. It's no good just you know, being a charity and serving the poor, visiting orphans and widows if you're going to def live a defiled life. 
So second part of that verse, first part is about pure works, serving God with your hands and your feet. Second part is about holiness, purity, living a pure life. There's no point helping the poor if you're going to live a life, secret life of sin. So keeping oneself unspotted from the world, purity, living a life of holiness. So God's calling us uh, to be genuine and real in our faith. James chapter 2, verse 12 and 13. And speaking regarding our speech, I think these days we need to be careful what we say to each other and what we speak about. So speak and so do as those who be judged by the law of liberty. Interesting. We're going to be judged by the law of liberty. Liberty speaks about freedom. So there's a law of liberty that we'll be judged by. And we know that liberty, freedom, is a law of love. When uh, you know Jesus was asked what the most important commandment is, Jesus responded with love, love God, love man. So we, you have the free, I just want to let you know, you've got the freedom to do whatever you want as long as, it's, as long as your heart is full of the love of God and love of man, respect and honor to your fellow men. So you have freedom. You have total freedom, but know this, that you'll one day be judged by the lawgiver, who is the lawgiver, is the love giver. He is the unconditional love and he expects us to show that unconditional love. And that's freedom. There's freedom in love. So you're free. You're free to go anywhere. You're free to do anything provided you do it in love. Love for God and love for man. So judgment is without mercy to the one who has shown no mercy, uh, but we are not those who show no mercy. We're those who show mercy. So judgment comes with mercy. That's good news. <laughs> so mercy's triumphed over judgment. So just quickly getting back to Jeremiah, when Jeremiah spoke to Israel, he warned them that Nebuchadnezzar was coming. And they found it very difficult to get their head around this. And, and I, I relate, related to this when I was told that we could no longer meet together for church. Because you have to understand that there's been a passion in my life for, pe for God's people to gather. And a lot of what I do, uh, a lot of my energy goes towards gathering God's people in this season in my life. And so someone comes along and says, no, you can't gather God's people, immediately there's a fight within me that rises up. And it's like, no, you can't tell me not to do that. And everything went against me. So when Jeremiah, it was similar, when Jeremiah prophesied to the nation of Israel and said, uh, Nebuchadnezzar is coming to destroy the temple. He's going to come and destroy the walls of Jerusalem and he's going to take you, you and your family, your children, slaves to Babylon. That's good news. <laughs> so Jeremiah is saying, just go with it. Just go with the flow. And of course they resisted him. They rejected him. They threw him in a prison. And they listened to false prophets that said, no, when Nebuchadnezzar comes, resist him. So they had to discern. Jeremiah 29.5 said, when you go to Babylon, 
build houses and dwell in them, plant gardens and eat the fruit, take wives, give birth to sons and daughters, take wives for your sons and daughters, and um, your sons and daughters will bear children. So you, in other words, when you go to Babylon, God will protect you. Uh, you won't be like uh, full-on slaves there, but you will have gardens, buy houses, plant gardens, find wives, have children, and find wives for your children and have grandchildren. So Jeremiah is preparing them for a long period of time in captivity. So they rejected, some of, the, some of them went, some of them rejected. Those that rejected died by the sword and those that went were preserved. But the thing is, it spoke against everything they knew. Their, their, their system, their religious system only worked in Jerusalem. So, so their, their religious system was all outward. And I think Christianity today has got into such a state that it only works through a certain outward method. And when that's stripped away, what do we have? And it's a test for the church. What is real and what is false? So there was a bunch of rebels that said, no, we're not listening to you, Jeremiah. And they, when Nebuchadnezzar came, they fled to Egypt and they actually took Jeremiah with them. I think that's so funny. They hated Jeremiah. They didn't want to listen to his voice. But when they went, went to flee Nebuchadnezzar, they ran to Egypt. They took Jeremiah with him. I don't know <laughs> with them. I don't know if they thought that God won't strike us down if we've got Jeremiah with us. But they took him uh, to Egypt. And uh, I think Jewish history says that they eventually got so fed up with Jeremiah because he kept, he kept uh, speaking truth into them. They eventually stoned him. <laughs> so they, Israel, like the Israelites had a choice. Which voice do I listen to? The voice of the false prophet or do I listen to Jeremiah? What the true prophet was saying was, against everything that they'd known from young. Uh, but we see men of God like Daniel went uh, with Nebuchadnezzar to Babylon and Daniel was used by God because his faith was genuine. And he was used by God. He, Daniel became, uh, he had the wisdom of God on him that he became, he was promoted to be the chief astrologer, the, the chief wise man uh, in Babylon. So Daniel was promoted to oversee all of the, uh, the witch doctors, all the devil worshippers. <laughs> God has a sense of humour. So God is able to use you in any situation he plants you in. So nobody uh, can take that which is genuine from your life, even if you're cast uh, into prison for your faith, nobody can contain uh, the goodness of God on the inside. Uh, so Jeremiah uh, prophesied, or he led uh, the people in a prayer in Lamentations chapter three, verse forty, and his prayer was, "Let us search out and examine our ways." And I believe this is a time as a church that we. We've got some time now. We may never, ever get again. This time in your life, you will never get it again. This is a time we need to examine our ways and turn back to the Lord. 
And he says, let us lift our hearts and hands to God in heaven. Even when you don't understand what's going on in the world around you, there's voices uh, coming from every direction. Let us examine our ways. Let us turn back to the Lord. Let's turn back to God. Let us lift our hearts and our hands to God in heaven. When we don't understand what's going on around us, let's turn our hearts to heaven. Lift our hands and and our hearts to the God in heaven. It was a difficult time for the people of God. In Lamentations 4, verse 12, the kings of the earth and all inhabitants of the world would not have believed that the adversary, that the enemy, that Nebuchadnezzar had come into Jerusalem. If you told me two years ago that we, that we wouldn't be having church today, I wouldn't have believed you. I would not have believed you. It was not, it was not on my agenda to shut church down. But for whatever reason, we are in this time. And this is a time we need to examine our ways. We need to turn back to the Lord. We need to lift our hearts and our hands to the God in heaven. Ezekiel, while Jeremiah uh, was held captive by his own people in Egypt, Ezekiel rose up uh, in Babylon as a prophet in Babylon. And Ezekiel chapter 1, verse 1, Ezekiel started to speak into the lives of God's people while in captivity. In the 13th year in captivity, Ezekiel 1, verse 1, in the fourth month on the fifth day of the month, as I was among the captives in the river Chibar, that the heavens were opened and I saw the visions of God. So it is possible to see uh, the visions of God in a foreign land. It is possible when things are held down, pushed down, locked down, that you can hear the vision of God, that you can see God. May, may we all hear the voice of God. We're not able to come together to hear the word of God corporately, but you can hear God. You can seek God. Your eyes can be open to the heavenly vision. So Ezekiel began to speak uh, into, the, into the nation of Israel, and he spoke about judgment on persistent unfaithfulness. This is very important. Uh, faithfulness is an important Subject, an important topic for the Lord. Why? Because Jesus, uh, he's a faithful one. And faithfulness is so important. Ezekiel chapter 14, verse 12 and 13. I just want us to, to understand God's heart concerning faithfulness. The word of the Lord came again to me saying, Son of man, when a land sins against me by persistent unfaithfulness, I will stretch out my hand against it. I will cut off its supply of bread, send famine on it, and cut off man and beast from it. So we see the land at that time was crying out for revenge. 
was crying out for revenge on blood, I'm reminded of the first blood that was shed when Cain killed Abel. God said Abel's blood is crying out to the ground, from the ground, for revenge. The, the ground had been cursed and it was crying out for revenge. So there come a time uh, as we, in the history of mankind, as we come up towards the time when Jesus uh, was to come to the earth as it, with his blood sacrifice, the earth began to cry out to God. So, so the land is crying out for a saviour. And Ezekiel 14, verse 14 Ezekiel says, even if these three men, Noah, Daniel and Job, were in it, they would only be able to deliver themselves by their righteousness, says the Lord God. So the land had come to such a a state, such a situation because of repeated unfaithfulness. Even these three faithful men, they would only be able to deliver themselves. So what what does that speak to us? That speaks to us, even though uh, there are these three faithful men, uh, this faithfulness does not satisfy the faithfulness of God. So God is looking for a faithful son. And we know that faithful son is Jesus. And when Jesus came into the world, the Father saw him and said, This is my beloved Son. In him I am well pleased. In him I am well pleased. So when we study the life of Noah, Daniel and Job, three incredibly faithful men in their lives, and Noah, Daniel, and Job were incredibly faithful in the midst of adversity. Noah, we read about Noah that he went through great persecution and ridicule uh, when God told him to make a boat. And he spent his whole life and his sons dedicated their lives to making this boat uh, <laughs> when it hadn't rained on the earth. So he, every time while he's working on his boat, people would walk past and jeer at him. But he was faithful in his obedience to God and through building the boat, building the ark, he was able to save not only himself but his whole household. And we know the ark speaks about Christ. And whoever came into that ark was saved Uh, from the judgment of God. But he was faithful uh, in that season and he was able to save himself and his household. But the land had come to such a state where God would say, if Noah lived in this time now, he would not be able to save his household, only himself. So we see wickedness had increased in the earth and the earth was desiring a sacrifice that only Jesus could give a perfect sacrifice. Daniel also, he was, as we read about his faithfulness in prayer and uh, Daniel's was able to preserve himself. In fact, the Bible doesn't say anything negative about Daniel. So in his generation, he was upright. He was 
utterly faithful, but even his faithfulness was not enough to satisfy uh, the desire of God. But Job, Job also was a man who was faithful uh, to offer sacrifices for his children. We see in Job that he not only sacrificed for his own life, but in case his children sinned, he offered sacrifice for his children. And through that, through his righteousness, he was able to offer up sacrifices for his children. But if Job had lived in this generation, he would not be able to uh, provide sacrifice for his children. His sacrifice for his children wouldn't be accepted. But God is looking for a son who is able to offer sacrifice, which would would cover his children. And we, we are the children of God, and as we come into Christ, we are cleansed by his blood, and his sacrifice is sufficient for us. God is satisfied. Uh, with with the blood of Jesus. So we see these three men, even though they were faithful in their generations, their blood uh, was imperfect. And when there's been many martyrs on the earth today, and even up to the time of Christ, it, there were many uh, martyrs, those who had been stoned and sawn asunder for their faith. They'd spoken the word of God, like Jeremiah, been stoned to death. But their sacrifice was not enough to satisfy uh, the wrath of God on the earth or the desire for the earth to take revenge on the sons of men. And when we think about Adam, the first man that was born into the earth, we have to ask ourselves, where did Adam's blood come from? And if you were to answer that question for me, uh, I would ask you that question. You know, where, where, where did Adam's blood, have you ever thought about where Adam got his blood from, the first man that was born on the earth. Where did his blood come from? Was it impure? Was it pure? We know the life, Bible tells us that life is in the blood. We understand that when God breathed into Adam, life came into him. So through the breath of God, he received maybe a heavenly blood transfusion. So when we... When we see when Adam sinned, when he rebelled, his actual blood uh, that was pure became impure. And every man born to man on this earth today, his blood has been defiled through sin and rebellion. So the only, you know, when, when Cain shed Adam's, uh, Abel's blood on the earth, the blood cried out, the blood that had been defiled cried out from the ground for a worthy sacrifice. But when Jesus came, he came not with the blood of man, he came with the blood of God, the pure blood, the undefiled blood. And when he shed his blood, it satisfied the curse that was on the earth. It satisfied the cry from the earth for revenge. and satisfied the desire of God to provide, uh, to have a worthy sacrifice that was able to cleanse man from his guilt, to cleanse the earth from the curse. The answer for the world's problems today is the blood of Jesus. The answer for your problem today is the blood of Jesus. The answer to your sickness today is the blood of Jesus. The answer to your depression, your anxiety is the blood of Christ. The answer to your repetitive sin or bondage or lack of worship is the blood of Christ to understand the life of God that was given for you 
is to understand the perfect sacrifice of Christ is, is the only one, uh, is the only thing, the only substance that is able to cleanse you and present you before God faultless without uh, fear, without condemnation um, and without guilt. In Hebrews chapter 10 verse 4, it is not possible that the blood of bulls and goats could take away sin. So even though all these righteous men, even though Noah, Daniel and Job was to stand before God and they, they, they could not be an advocate uh, that, that, that the Father would listen to. But Jesus is now our advocate. He, the Father will listen to Jesus. So may Jesus be your advocate. May he not uh, turn, may you not turn your heart away from him. All we have to do is just humble ourselves and come before Jesus. Say, Jesus, I believe you, I believe you came into the world uh, to be a substitute for my sin. If you don't know Christ and you're listening to this, I just would ask you right now just to, to say a simple prayer of surrender and just say, Dear Lord Jesus, please uh, forgive me for going my own way and rebelling against you. I now turn from my sin, my rebellion, and I come back to you and I ask that you would cleanse me. I thank you for your blood that was, that was spilt for me on the cross. And I thank you for the power of your blood to cleanse me from all my sin, to give me healing. Amen. So Hebrews chapter 10, we're just finishing now. Just stay with us. We see every high priest stands ministering daily and offering repeatedly the same sacrifices. This speaks about the religious works that don't satisfy the heart of God. May we, as we come back, as we draw to the near the end of lockdown, and we come back to church, um, it's not these religious activities that that pleases the heart of God. It's not these religious works that satisfies his heart. We see that these priests daily offering the same sacrifice, the same, God is so bored with these animal sacrifices, which can never take away sin. But this man, this man, Jesus, as he has offered one sacrifice for sins forever, one sacrifice, the, the secret is understanding the purity of the blood of Jesus. That pure blood without stain, without blemish, the blood of God, the life of God, the eternal life of God. One sacrifice for sins forever, never to be repeated. Sat down, that speaks about victory. Sat down at the right hand of God. From that time waiting to his enemies, waiting to his enemies to be made his footstool. Isn't that beautiful? One sacrifice, one bloodshed, every drop of blood, every drop of the pure blood of the Savior came down to the earth, dropped down to the earth. Now it's just a waiting time. That, that act of the shedding of his blood causes all the enemies of God. There's a time coming because of the righteous blood of Christ. There's a time coming when every enemy will be made his footstool. Isn't that good news? So no matter what you do or don't do on this earth, the fact is that every enemy of God will become his footstool 
because of his blood that was shed. <laughs> so it's up to you. So if we are to work for him, our work would be to, he's inviting us, I believe he's inviting us into a holy priesthood. And the work of the holy priest is to go around and sprinkle the blood, to apply the blood. Just as in the old covenant, uh, the priest would go into the most holy place uh, with the blood of bulls and goats. But we are invited into the Holy of Holies, not with the blood of bulls and goats, but with the blood of Christ. And we are his priests, his ministers. So we are to go about, we're invited to sprinkle the blood of Jesus. Not just in our own hearts, in our families, in our homes, in our workplace, but on even to, sh to share the blood of Jesus with those that don't know. They don't know the power of the blood. The power of the blood can cleanse uh, from any sickness, from any plague. It can take away fear. And right now, I believe even as I'm speaking, um, there are those who are caught in fear regarding um, yeah, regarding coronavirus and vaccination. And I just say the blood of Jesus is able to cleanse you from any fear, any fear. And even those who would fear not being able to have children, I just, uh, in the name of Jesus, I pull down that lie. And we just apply the blood of Jesus to your mind right now. And I just say, it is God's will that you would come, go forth and multiply. And that the fruit of your womb uh, would bring forth fruit to him. Your natural womb will be blessed because you're a child of God and you're covered in the blood and would not be affected by any mere attack of the enemy through vaccination or any plan of the enemy to try and stop the work of God in your life. It is God who opens and closes the womb. That is not the devil's work. Your body belongs to a higher power, to a higher priesthood. If you've been washed in the blood of Jesus, you are protected by his blood. And I just speak divine protection over all those listening right now. I declare your body to be covered and sprinkled by the blood of Jesus. I declare a, a protective layer over your life because of the pure, pure, undefiled blood of Christ. Do not underestimate the power of the blood of Jesus to cleanse you and to purify you, body, soul, and spirit. But this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, he offered the sacrifice for your sin but with that sin comes healing for the effect of sin. Not only he cleanses you from your sin, but he cleanses you from the effect of sin. The effect of sin in this world comes uh, in our bodies in the form of sickness. Sickness is a form of premature death. And all those who are listening right now, if you have any form of sickness in your body, 
any form of premature death, we speak the life of the blood of Jesus over your body right now. We speak quickening, the quickening power of the Holy Spirit. We apply the blood of Jesus right now. Even young ladies right now, I apply the blood of Jesus to your womb. And uh, if you're listening to this and you, you have a, there's a fear going around regarding your womb. Just put your, if you've been affected by that, put your hand on your womb right now and just declare the life of God. Apply the blood of Jesus by faith over your womb. I just speak divine protection right now over your womb. And we say, be healed, be made whole. No enemy can touch that which is precious to God. God has ordained that you bring forth fruit to him. No devil will stop that. We declare healing right now. Any sickness, we apply the blood of Jesus. If you are sick in your body, in area, place your hand there by faith. Apply the blood, the blood of Jesus by faith. By faith. We thank you for the blood. There's power in the blood. Thank you, Jesus. The life of God. Mm. I believe this is a season where God's people need to know the power in the blood of Christ. We have underestimated, you know, communion has become like a tradition with no power. And we have sick people celebrating their sickness and thanking God for their sickness while they partake of, of God's blood. Without understanding the value in the blood of Jesus, the power in the blood of Jesus. God did not bring about sickness in your body to judge you. God judged his son so that you can be healed, you can be cleansed. For one sacrifice forever, he sat down at the right hand of God. From that time, waiting till his enemies are made his footstool. For one offering, he's perfected forever. Those who are being sanctified. One offering forever. One offering, the pure blood of Christ. is able to make you whiter than snow, like no laundry man on this earth can make you so white, can make your clothes so white like the blood of Jesus. It's symbolism to show that there's absolute purity in your life through faith in Christ, absolute cleansing. We thank you, Jesus, for your blood. Let's give ourselves to the Lord right now.